Put your Bible in front of you. That's life right there. And we got, I want you to hear tonight, we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. It is still at hand. We got to go back and we got to do this again. We got to get this. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus Christ is God Almighty who came down to earth. And maybe you believe that. Okay. What did he come down here to do? People say, well, he came to die for our sins. That was after he had ministered. He came to announce something. What was it that Jesus came to this earth to do? If you're familiar with this, Matthew chapter 4, uh, John the Baptist has, has announced Jesus. Uh, he's, he's, he's out of the picture now. The first thing that happens to Jesus, he's baptized. Uh, the Spirit of God comes upon him. And immediately the Bible says, right in front of what we're going to read, that the Spirit of God drove him into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. And he, he, there was a great war. Uh, and uh, there weren't three temptations. There were 40 days of temptations and then three more that we have recorded here. And Jesus, uh, it really wasn't much of a contest. There's no great battle between the Almighty and his little puny created devil. Amen. The battle's between people and that puny little created thing. All the Almighty have to do is say one word, gone. What Jesus did was to show you and me how to live on this planet in that battle. And, he, and when any temptation, you're not a child of God, all the garbage that the enemy throws at your head, Jesus simply turned around and spoke the word of God and it, and it cut it off. And perhaps one of the greatest verses there you, is, I love the verse where it says, and Satan departed from him. You know, he eats that two-edged sword long enough, he'll get tired of it and go on. You need to do that. And he showed us how to aggressively take the word of God and speak it and quit putting up with the garbage that the enemy brings into our lives. All right, he goes through that temptation and immediately Jesus makes his announcement. And here's the announcement that he makes in Matthew chapter four, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, now this is not just what he said, this was his entire message for three years. What's the message that Jesus brought to the earth? Repent. What? Because the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of, Jesus came to preach a message that something's available. At hand means available. And he said, this is available for you. Now, we struggle with the word repent. If you grew up in church, especially if it was a Baptist church or like a Pentecostal church, repent's got six E's in it. And, you, and you're used to hearing repent. And it, it means you go to the altar and you slobber and you cry and you feel bad about what you've done. That's, that's not repent. That's going to the altar and slobbering. Repent, repent means turn. It just means turn to me. It means turn to me. Uh, literally, it, it is two Greek words that means change mind, change your mind, change your mind about life and come to me. So Jesus said, come to me because why? Why should I go to Jesus? So it's the right thing to do. No, read it again, because there's something available to me and it's called what? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is available. And this was the message of Jesus. It's what he promised. And uh, he said, I've come to talk about a kingdom. Let me ask you this. Can you identify the kingdom of God? We got it. We're missing this in our churches somehow, uh, especially those that were raised like I was raised and different. We're, we're taught that you get saved, you suck eggs, and one day you will get this glorious inheritance in heaven. Just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away. Have you weary days if you want to. I'm going to live in the kingdom now. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to experience the kingdom of God. Jesus said it's what? It's someday. No, it's at hand. It's here now. You can take it right now. All right. You and I, how many of you believe that believers should pray? This is not hard. <laughs> What's the number one thing we're supposed to pray for? Turn one page to the right. 
One page to the right, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. In this manner, Matthew 6, 9, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, praise your name, your kingdom come. The greatest desire of your life, whether you know it or not, is for the kingdom of God to come into your life, your family, and your community. And you want the kingdom of God to come. And uh, so Jesus came to say what? I've, I've come to offer a kingdom to people that will come to me. And then he said, when you pray, I want you to pray this. I want you to ask me, your kingdom come. Your will be done on the earth. All right, we're going to talk about kingdom for a little bit. Since this is what, it's, what it's all about. Now, let me tell you something about this book right here. This same Bible that promised eternal life to people. How many of you believe there's a promise of eternal life? Amen. Whoever believes in me shall never die. God so loved the world that he gave his son that whosoever believed in him would not perish. There's a promise of eternal life in this book. I'm walking through the country club one day years ago in another town we lived in. I'm just knocking on doors and I met this man. He was very, uh, was obviously pretty wealthy and he was a very distinguished, well-educated man. We're talking and I said, do you know for certain that if you die tonight, that you have eternal life. And he sort of, uh, he had that uh, pseudo intellectual. He sort of snickered at me. He said, son, nobody can know whether there's an eternal life or not. Nobody can know whether they have it or not. What does the Bible teach? First John, these things are written that you might know that you have eternal life and you might continue in them. Dear ones, either there's an eternal life or there's not. Either there's something past when this body falls over, there's not. And this book has promised us eternal life. Jesus died on a cross so you could live forever with his father in heaven. And this is our blessed hope. And the Bible said, if there's not an eternal life, we of all men should be pitied. There is something beyond this, beyond the grave. Heck, Brooks and Dunn know this. Now, this is what I'm fixing to say. The same Bible that promised eternal life promised kingdom life on this planet. And, and I, I don't understand why Christians believe in eternal life, but they actually scorn kingdom life and mock it. There was a, if the same guy said, I'll give kingdom life that said, I'll give eternal life, we need to believe both of them. Where's the great verse in the Bible that promises both? John chapter 10, verse 10. I've come that you might have life. And that's the word eternal life. And have it what? More abundantly. That's kingdom life. Jesus did, just didn't come so you could have a great life after you croak. Jesus came so you could have a great life as soon as you start following him. That's called kingdom life. And the announcement of Jesus was, was that kingdom life is available. It wasn't available up till now. But when Jesus came on the scene, he preached something called it kingdom life. And there was, I, 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 apparently I've failed some folks here. I'm, I'm hearing from my people, we're not getting this. We need to pray and expect kingdom life today. We need to expect something to happen today. Kingdom life in this lifetime right here, it should be that good. All righty. <clears throat> I'm going to, let me define the kingdom of God or kingdom life as this. Uh, there's a number of ways you could define it, but I'm, I'm just going to uh, condense it all down to this. It is the continual good activity of God's spirit in your life. It, it's not when you're a Christian and try to do right. It's not when you're a Christian and try to keep the rules. It is the continual activity of God himself in your life. It's in the spirit of God. The kingdom of God is the spirit of God. It's when you open your life to him and you begin to walk with him and God begins to come into your life and the spirit of God begins to come into your life and you know it. You, you know, this is not me trying to be good. This is him. The hand of God's on my life. I see God working in my family. That's the kingdom of God. I don't want to take a minute and talk to you about the kingdom of God and what happens when it comes on this earth. And uh, again, I want to say this. I don't understand why this is such a problem. It's so clearly written in the scriptures 
that Jesus came not only to save us from our sins eternally, but to save us from the penalty of our sin in this life and to bring us back what he meant for us to be. Let's take a few verses on the kingdom of God. And uh, we need to be a kingdom people. We need to be a people that, I I made up this saying, I'm going to post it on the wall and I'm going to start living by it. It goes like this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. If Jesus made it very clear that I'm to seek ye first the kingdom of God, wouldn't it help if I knew what I was looking for? You know, I said, dumb, I can't find something. I'll tell my wife I've lost something. I said, help me look for it. She said, well, what are you looking for? I said, well, never mind. Just help me find it. (laughs) You're you're told by Jesus in Luke chapter 12 to seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now, you know, I got to do my disclaimer. Y'all ready? We're not talking about church life here. We're not talking about going to church and being good and quitting cussing and smoking and all that. We're talking about the activity of God. We're talking about the Spirit of God doing things. We're talking about the Holy Spirit of God getting active in my life and in my family. And dearest, when the full kingdom comes, this is what your heart's looking for. And I'm told to seek this kingdom. And we're told to pray for this kingdom to come in our lives. All right, let me mention just, it's also another phrase in the Bible before it's called the rule of God. It's the rule of God. It's when he begins to have his way in my life. I begin to live under his. I want to throw a verse in real quick before we go to where we're going. Turn with me to Colossians chapter one. All right, Colossians is a deep book in the New Testament. It's wonderful, but it's deep and it just explains who we are in Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter one. All right. I want us to look at a verse here concerning the moment you were born again, something happened to you. The moment you gave your life to Christ. And his spirit came inside of you. And Colossians chapter 1 is a great picture of what happened. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says this. Talking about the Father. Has delivered us from the power of darkness. How many of you believe that darkness has a power? How many of you believe the kingdom of hell can have power in your life? If you want to look this up, Ephesians chapter 2 talks about the power that darkness holds over our lives. Bitterness. Unforgiveness. uh, Addictions. Fear. Let me tell you one of, the, one of the great works of the power of darkness in our lives, this crap called low self-esteem. How can you be a child of the living God and everything that goes with it and have low self-esteem? That is a work of the enemy. That is the power of darkness in our lives. The fear, the, the, all this garbage that people are carrying around today getting counseling for, that is the power of darkness that came in, that came in the earth at the fall of man. I right, Tell me what Colossians 1.13 says. He has transferred us or delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and put us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Uh, This is like being married to the most hateful old man who just abuses you and talks ugly to you and he's mean to you. His name's Mr. Law and he just puts you down and he never helps you and you're never good enough. And all of a sudden this guy comes in and says, "I'm, I'm taking her away from you. And he moves you into his house and he treats you so good and he loves you and he encourages you and he blesses you and he buys stuff for you. You've been transferred from one man to another. You've been tra- the Bible says we've been transferred from the kingdom of hell to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of the Son of God. And that why, if this is a reality, Colossians 1.13 is plainly written, why is it that so many believers are still living in the kingdom of darkness? Why is there so much struggle still going on? All right, I want you to believe Colossians 1.13. Let's, uh, let me take a minute. Let's look at some scriptures on the kingdom of God. This should be the reality of your life. All right, my favorite, Romans chapter 14. Turn with me. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. I know y'all know this. I just, I'm just reciting it for myself. Romans chapter 14. If I were to ask you, Brother Jehoshaphat, 
What is the kingdom of God? How could you define it in one sentence? Like the Bible's fixing to. I don't want us to look. And this, I think this is the foundational verse in the Bible on what the kingdom of God is. It's in Romans chapter 14. Uh, look with me, Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God, by the way, this, this phrase, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, same thing. It's in the Bible hundreds of times. Verse 17, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not word. It is righteousness, peace, and joy, what? In the Holy Spirit. Was, if I pray thy kingdom come, I pray for the spirit of God to come on my life. And I pray for the spirit of God to come, start working in my life. And tell me the three things that he starts doing inside of me. Let's go backwards. I mean, we, we can, we can go forwards if you want to, but I just have to like go backwards. What's the one thing the spirit of God brings into my life? Spirit of God brings joy into my life. And was, the, the kingdom of God is joy. It is Holy Spirit joy. It's, it's, uh, I, I just don't understand where this heaviness among the believers is. I say, Brother Brian, do you know what, no, no, not know what's happening in the earth? All the more reason to rejoice. Did you not know I don't belong to that kingdom anymore? They, they, don't own, they don't pay my bills. They don't determine my future. I've been transferred into the kingdom of the Son of God. And He rules in my life. And there's just, there's just pure joy in the kingdom of heaven. What's the other one backwards? Peace. Do you anybody could use some peace in their lives today? Afraid, upset, bothered, nervous about the future. That's the kingdom of hell. It's not the kingdom of heaven. Then the kingdom of heaven is peace. Now listen, they say, well, brother, I'm trying. Well, well, do you see trying in there anywhere? The spirit of God comes and brings this. This is God working in people's lives. And a lot of people get hung up, dear ones, on the word righteousness. Don't, don't get hung on righteousness. If, if, again, if you're like me and you came from a, a legalistic preaching background, you know, your righteousness, you couldn't just say righteous. It couldn't be just a righteousness. It had to be said like that. Well, the only thing I knew before I started going to church was the righteous brothers. And then I found out they weren't righteous after all when I got to church. As pretty good musicians, though, you got to admit. Dear was righteousness, listen, it's not complicated. What's the root word? Right. How many of you would like the God's Spirit to come into your life and make things right? So much of religion is self-effort. You got to try not to say nothing ugly. How about if the Holy Spirit came and made things right? You got you to do, there was, this is the work of God. The kingdom of God is not me trying to do something. It is the Holy Spirit of God coming into my life and making things right. And when th guess what? When things are right, then you have peace. And when things are right and you have peace, then you have joy in your life. Well, now dear ones, I want to make an announcement. That alone right there should be worth the price of admission into the kingdom. What's every human heart looking for? Peace and happiness or joy. And this is the work of God in our lives that he comes in and begins to work inside of us. Can't, but I just want you to see this. He told me the kingdom is available. The presence of God is available to bring righteousness and peace and joy into my life. This is what we're looking for right here. All right, I want you to see that. And I want you to, uh, it's, it, let me say it this way. It is the tangible presence of God and his voice in my life. I should be aware of God. Now, dear ones, I'm going to walk by faith because the just shall live by faith. He's there whether I feel him or not. I live by the word whether I feel him or not. I was in the Honduras. The longest time my wife and I have ever been separated was two weeks. I was in Honduras and down on the, uh, I think I was in uh, uh, Nicaragua for a little bit. And we, you know, we could talk a little bit. And then for a week I was in Nicaragua and we couldn't have any communication because I don't even think God could have found me where I was at down there in some little off the wall place. The furthest we've ever been apart. Now listen, we were married the entire time. But I couldn't hear a voice. We weren't together. You understand the difference? I don't want to just be married. I want to hug the woman. 
<laughs> oh, y'all should have been nuns and bishops. And y'all should have gone Catholic. I, I didn't marry her to get a ring. I married her to get a friend. I married her to have a companion. Demons, Jesus is not somebody I'm going to meet someday. I want to meet him now. I, I, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm a child of God. I got my baptismal certificate. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to walk by faith. But I want to experience God. I want to feel him close to me. I want to hear his voice. I want that sweet presence of God to draw near to me. I want that joy. He woke me up at 4.30 this morning, and we just sang together for a while. I don't know what it is with him waking me up early in the morning. It's like, maybe it's because y'all are not up bothering him yet when he's got time to talk. I don't know what it is. But about 4.30, woke up. We just had the sweetest time just enjoying. And, and you just, you ever heard of this singing and making melody in your heart? If you'll get still and lay still, your spirit will sing. You don't ever open your mouth. You just sing out of your spirit. And, and like one song ends and your spirit will start singing another song because you train your spirit to worship God. And we just had the best time. And then uh, he began to like, uh, I started to say dissipate. That's, it's time to get up at 530 anyway. It's time to roll. You know what I mean? And uh, we just, just want to have wonderful times with the presence of God. That's the kingdom of God come. It, it's not just trying to poke through. He should be real to you. It was the kingdom of God is when the Holy Spirit comes to your life. And, and, and he does things, but there's a peace. All right, I was talking to somebody one day about God speaking to him. They said, well, he don't, I, he don't speak to me. They said, you know, I, I pick up my Bible and I sit down and this sweetest peace just comes over me. And I could just sit there forever. And I said, that's him. That, listen to what the Bible says. I will hear what the Lord will speak to me, for he will speak peace to me. Listen, when you sit down and you get along with God or your Bible or your worshiping, or, and all of a sudden this, this peace just comes over you and you just go, I could sit here forever. He is speaking to you. You don't hear an audible voice. That, that's him. The kingdom of God just came close to you. I'm laying in the bed one night reading a religious periodical called Field and Stream Magazine. And on the back page, the editor will do this. Uh, he'll have a little article about, I don't know, stuff. And he, he, on the back page, the editor wrote, it was called Trip of a Lifetime. He said, all my life, I've wanted to go to such and such a place and fish. You know, these guys get paid to travel the world and fish and call it a job. That's pretty pathetic. But he's, he, he, I forget where he went, but it was no man's land. He had to charter a little float plane. It took him way up on the circle. And they let him out there. And he said, I'm 200 miles from a human being. I'm going to be there for three days. And he said, I, I got camp set up and then I'm fishing. I'm just standing. He said, I was so overwhelmed just looking around at the beauty of what I saw. And so all of a sudden this feeling just came over me. I want you to listen to how he described this feeling. He said, it was a feeling. It's not a religious man. He said, it's a feeling like you feel like you ought to get when you go to church, but you never do. I started sending him an email and say, that was him. He drew close. To that, the kingdom of God came close to you. That was the presence of God. You know, the presence of God is the sweetest peace in all the world. It's pure joy. Let me make an announcement. He's not mad. I don't, your preacher might have been, but he's not mad. I'm not mad. But the, the kingdom of God is when God becomes real to you. What are we told to pray? Thy kingdom come. All right, if it weren't for the kingdom of God coming, listen to what I'm thinking. I'll probably get in trouble for this. I'm retiring. I'm, if it weren't for the kingdom of God coming, why should we even go to church? I mean, like if you get saved, you're going to heaven, so why do you keep going to church? Just get saved and then go live and croak and see him. So Brother Brian, we come to church to bring others with us. Where are they? You don't bring people in church. You got to go out there to get them. 
No, dear ones, the whole, <laughs> the whole, once I get saved, I mean, why don't he just like beam me up, Scotty? I'm saved. Boom, there we go. No, no, if you're saved, you're supposed to be experiencing the kingdom of God now. Let me make an announcement. That stuff's at hand. That means you can, it's available. You can reach it with your hand. And the kingdom of God is the spirit of God coming into your life. And you, you just know it. It's like, there he is. That's him right there. And uh, now, now I, I said continual. Listen to me. I did not say constant. There's times we get in a battle. There's times the powers of hell come over us. There's times when the most awful presence comes over us. He's still there, but you just don't experience him right then. He hasn't gone anywhere. Listen, you, let's settle this thing once and for all. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Yada, yada, so forth, so on. I will fear no evil. Thou art with me. That settles it. He's right there. He's right here, right here, all the time, whether I feel him or not. All right, we've settled that by faith. But let me make an announcement. I want to feel him. Uh, people think you're carnal because you want to feel him. That's as dumb as saying you're married, but you don't ever want to see your wife. He, I have found he whom my soul loves. I want to be where the man is. And I love the spirit of God. I love the baptism and the presence of it. All right, so it's his tangible presence. Now, it's not only the, the, the reality of God, he becomes real to you. And, and you, let me make an announcement. You should enjoy the spirit of God. It's, where did this, it's all about duty come from. It's not what the Bible teaches. God created man and put him in a garden to do what? So they could walk together and enjoy each other. You should enjoy the presence of God. That there's, you know, I, I refer to this old song a lot that goes like this. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. The voice I hear falling on my ear, the son of God discloses. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me things. And the joy we share while we tarry there. I want every believer to know how to get with God and enjoy him. That's the kingdom of God. That's the reality of God in our lives. All right, let me, let me show you a couple more. <clears throat> Not only is it his presence, God wants to be good to you. Amen. I got to have more than three. God wants to be good to you. Amen. All right, let, listen to this. We won't take time to look at it. It's Luke chapter 11 if you want to look it up. If you being evil compared to me will give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask? Anybody here like to spoil your kids and give stuff to your kids? I, I love to give stuff to them. I hope it don't spoil them. I give my kids stuff all the time. I just, I love to. I, I, brought, I bought my son, I was in, a, I'm not going to tell you where I was at because it's politically incorrect. And I bought him a politically incorrect coffee cup the other day. And uh, I just, he's got a dozen. Do you know how parents are? They just love to give their kids stuff. Let me tell you something. He wants to give you things more than you want to give your kids stuff. Let me, I got to show you that verse. That wasn't a good response. Turn with me to Luke chapter 11. <laughs> Amongst other places. Luke chapter 11 is that great passage. And this again, Luke chapter 11 is the other place in the Bible where he says in verse two, when you pray, say, thy kingdom come. Let the kingdom of God come down on my life. Let it be evident in my life. Luke chapter 11. And then he talks about the whole prayer. And then he talks about if you need something, you can go ask. And then he, verse 9, he says, ask, it'll be given to you, everybody that asks. And then he asks an unusual question in verse 11. If a son asks for bread from a father, would you give him a rock? How many of you do that? You, you know, you get up in the morning, your son gets up, he comes and says, Daddy, I'm hungry. Can I have some Cheerios? He says, no, here, boy, eat this bowl of rocks. You see how absurd this sounds? When are we, listen to me, listen to me. When are we going to begin to believe that God Almighty is good? That he is a good father? 
Right, here's the great verse I was talking about in verse um, 13. If you being evil, just pause right there. Is he calling you evil? Amen, brother Brian, we're all evil by nature, headed down. Stop that man. Quit listening to Southern gospel music. Y'all get, listen to Skillet. Sky's listening to Skillet this afternoon. Skillet's better for you. All right. Um, why does he say if you being evil? What, you you got to understand the original language here. I, I'm not an evil father. I'm a good father. I give to my kids gladly. I'd lay down my life for my kids. You would too. So why does he call me evil here? By comparison. By comparison. I don't know how in the world you could be so good to make me look evil, but right there it is. If you being evil compared to me will give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give what? Good things. Now this says the Holy Spirit. The other place that says good things. The same thing. I'll send my spirit into your life and good things will happen. We need to begin to expect good things to happen. It's, it's just the, it's the advantage, the blessing of the kingdom of God coming in our lives. I want you to turn me all the way back to Numbers chapter 6. Let's see this. Numbers chapter 6. Genesis, let's turn to Numbers chapter 6. Uh, this is the original blessing. Perhaps you've heard this before. I, I, I got I'm I'm to I preach this. I got to get the word into your heart that Jesus died to be good to you and to give you things. And the kingdom needs to come in our lives. All right, I love this passage in Deuteronomy 6. I know you've heard this before in a church service. Let's read some words here together. Now, listen, listen to me. You're not just going to hear words. You're going to hear the heart of God right here. Dearest, we, we have got to get to the heart of God. We've got to get to the heart of God. We've got to hear his heart. We've got to find out what he's like. We, we, the greatest prayer you can pray is show me your heart. Uh, too many people still see him as the Wizard of Oz or an angry father instead of seeing him for who he is. All right, Numbers chapter 6, verse 22, the Lord initiates this. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons. This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Sound to me like he wants to be good to somebody, doesn't it? All right, how's he going to bless the children of Israel? Watch this. And, and of course, we are also. <clears throat> Say to them, how do you bless people? There was God does things by speaking it. We have got to get our mouths lined up right. You speak to them. And here's what he wants you to say to him. I want you to say this to him. Verse 24. The Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine on you, be gracious to you, lift up his countenance on you, and give you peace. Well, let me ask you a question. Who, who wrote this? Does anybody know who wrote this? I'm not talking about who penned it. Moses penned it. Who said, say this? God Almighty said, say this. He said, tell them to speak over my people and say this over my people. The Lord bless you. That means be good to you. What does keep you mean? Protect you. What does it mean? Lift up a smile upon you. Look on you with favor. What does it mean? Be gracious to you. Be generous and give you things. Of course, keep you and give you peace means bring peace in your life. If you just had what he promised right there, wouldn't life be so more good? Read with me verse 27. So shall they put my name on the children of Israel. I will bless them. What's he trying to do here? Can't you see where he's trying to be good to people? And he said, this is the way that I want to be good to people. Speak this over them. Sometimes when I'm closing services, I'll say before we leave, the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face to shine on you. We need to speak this over our children. We need to speak this over people. But here's what I want you to see. Can you not see the heart of God right here? What's he trying to do? The man's trying to be good to you. He's trying to bless you. He's trying to bring favor into your life. Uh, one of my favorites here, and I've seen this in my life for years. Uh, the Bible said, uh, lift up his countenance upon you or make his face shine on you. That, this degree, it's the Hebrew word favor. 
It's favor. Let me, let me tell you one of the things he loves to do for you. God likes to cause people to like you. God likes to cause people to like you and do things for you. Ever since I began to walk in the kingdom and pray for a year, people just do things for me for no reason. I mean, I just go, well, thank you. Thank you. And often he'll say to me, now you know where that came from, don't you? And he just, it means to give you favor with people, whether it's at your work, where they promote you when somebody else is more qualified, down to the little things in life. Stuff just happens all the time. And I just go, you at it again, aren't you? That's called lifting up his countenance on you or giving you favor. I'm telling you, the man wants to be good to you. And, and that's, what's that called? The kingdom has come. When the kingdom of God's come down on our lives, he's been good to us. Uh, I tell you, let's look at one more real quick. Turn with me to Matthew chapter five. All right, Jesus, we're in Matthew four. And Jesus said, the kingdom is at hand. Now, repent means turn to me, change your mind, come to me. The kingdom is available. I want to get involved in your life. I want to work in your life. Now, so much religion is you got to straighten up and you got to serve and you got to, you know, give food to the poor. Well, that's fine. We can do that. That's not the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of human activity. The kingdom of God is when he begins to do things. And listen to me, you know, it's him. That's him right there. That's the reason I got that thing was because his hand's in it. And uh, so Matthew chapter four, Jesus says the, the kingdom's at hand. And then he preaches what's known as the greatest sermon ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's not about heaven. It's about how to live life on this planet. It's timeless. It fits any generation. And what is the heart of the Sermon on the Mount? Does anybody know? It's called the, uh, I have failed y'all. It's called the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes is the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, a guy named, well, I'm not going to tell you who it was. I'm scared to say any names around here because anybody you name, somebody's mad at him. Um, but a guy wrote a book once called The Be Happy Attitudes. And that's what it is. It is certain attitudes we adopt to bring great blessing into our lives. And uh, I want you to look with me in Matthew chapter five. Let's look at a few verses. What's the first word in verse three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10? What's the first word? Blessed. The Greek word makarios. And it's when God just does good things for you when you don't deserve it. You know, the Lord bless you. And he says, I'm going to bless people I just want to be good to people. And I don't want you to look at the requirements for blessing. I want you to look at what he promised he would do for you. Now, this is the first message Jesus ever preached. When God came down to earth, this is the first thing he ever said. He said, blessed. God wants to bless people. He didn't say, straighten up your life. He didn't say, become religious. He said, God wants to do something for you. And it's called blessing. Anytime he does something for people, it's called blessing. And I want you to look at what he's promised to do for people. Look with me in Matthew chapter 5. Verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, poor in spirit doesn't have anything. You can be a multimillionaire. Poor in spirit means I need God's help. Poor in spirit simply means I am not a self-made man. I need God's help. That's all. You just have an attitude of I need God's help. That's all it means. What happens to people who adopt that attitude? Blessed are the poor in spirit. What is it? What does it say? Theirs is the, theirs is righteousness. Theirs is peace. Theirs is joy. There's the spirit of God on their lives. There was, if you'll just say, I need God, he'll show up. I, I just need God. Now, now religion in America has almost become an arrogant, proud thing that I'm a good Christian. You'd be surprised how good a Christian am I am. That is not poor in spirit. And you look down your nose at other people because you're better than them. You are not poor in spirit. You're very rich in spirit. My blood brother, Paul, who wrote half this back said, I am the chief of sinners. I'm the worst sinner ever lived. 
And because he had that attitude, God blessed him so much. If I'll adopt that attitude, everything I'm looking for is mine. Verse four, blessed are those who mourn. Let me make an announcement. Mourn is not whining. He don't bless people who whine. <laughs> the Greek word mourn means to feel what God feels. If, if you have a heart for people, people that will have a heart for other people, what's God do for them? He brings his comfort into their lives. Now listen to me. If the spirit of God comes into your life and comforts your heart, you've got a good life. And all of this is the activity of God. We could go on down through the list here. For time's sake, we're not going to. Um, blessed are the meek. You know what meek means? Meek is not weak. Meek means I am not going to force it myself. I'm going to let God hand it to me. I'm going to wait on him. Now, a horse that has been meeked is a horse that won't move until its master tells it to. Now, right outside my bedroom window is a, is a, a raised rose bed, and that's where my horse is buried. Sundown's buried right there. I'm going to bury him right under the window. I can check on him every morning. I love that horse. And he was a giant Tennessee walking horse. He weighed about 1,400 pounds. And uh, let me make an announcement. I don't care how tough a cowboy you are. 1,400 pounds will whoop 200 pounds anytime it wants to. You say, I ain't no horse going to whoop me. Come out there and let me show you. <laughs> There's no way 200 can whoop 1,400. Are you with me? But I put a bit in his mouth and he would submit to me. He's been meeked. It's when power submits to somebody else's authority. Blessed are those who will submit to God and let him be the one to hand it to them. What's he going to give them? He'll give you the whole earth. If you'll quit trying to make your way and just let him hand it to you, he'll give you the entire. And on and on he goes with this list of things he wants to do for people and give people certain things. Uh, I got to do, do one more. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for hoochie coochie. No, no, no. Every beatitude has an inversion. People who want to live in filth and lust, they're never satisfied. They never find contentment. Listen to what the proverb says. The leech has three daughters who cry, give, give, but they're never satisfied. What does the Bible say? When you have a heart for righteousness, you will find contentment in life. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what's right. The righteousness, they're the people going to live satisfied lives. I just, since it's just us tonight, I saw this other day. It's the funniest thing. You know, everybody pities us poor Christians who can't rock and roll and raise hell like everybody else can. I saw a recent survey that said Christians have the greatest sex lives, married Christians, of anybody in the nation. That don't make a lick of sense. Well, you're stuck with the same woman all your life. What is, and I've seen survey after survey that the playboys and the play bunnies and the playgirls are some of the most miserable, dissatisfied people and people who obey God are some of the happiest people on earth. What did the Bible say? Blessed are those who long, want righteousness. They'll be satisfied. My goodness. What was y'all laughing at? I mean, you think old people don't know how to hug anymore? <laughs> like the old man in the nursing home asked him, I said, sir, is there sex after 75? He said, you bet you, sonny. <laughs> I especially enjoy the one in the fall. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble here. <laughs> uh, I lost my, lost my train of thought here. All right. All right, listen. You can go right down through the list. What does he say? Adopt these attitudes and let me do this for you. What, what do you see, right? Do you see a God who's demanding that you straighten up? I see a father who's trying to unload the train on you. I see a father. And let, let, let me make an announcement here. He don't just do religious stuff. It's like get, he's locked in the church. He created the heavens and the earth. He knows about jobs. 
You'd be surprised. He knows about romance. I can't get one amen out of the guy who created romance. Here's my point. I was talking to a lady the other day and she said, you know, I would love to find a man that would love me like you love your wife. I said, that's God talking to you, lady. Just quit wishing and start believing. And he'll bring him right to your doorstep. Amen. So I didn't know he was in that business. Can I ask you a couple of First thing he ever said was wrong on this planet. A man by himself. And Adam went to sleep and what happened? Who you think this matchmaking, match.com, who was the first one ever matched somebody up? <laughs> Adam goes to sleep. God creates this woman. He said, it's not good. He said, I want them to have romance. I want them to have sex. I want them to have a friend, love each other and hug and kiss and smooch. And even when I'm in the garden, I don't care. Let's, what, where's this weirdo religious, <laughs> knock the religion off and get to the word. So Adam goes and begins this tree and it brings that woman up there. <laughs> they don't do this in a movie for a reason. And uh, Adam's sitting there, his eyes closed, and the Lord thumps him, and he wakes up, and he never seen a woman in his life. And there she is, buck naked. He didn't wear no clothes. And he swallowed his tongue. I mean, I had to have help. No, but you know what happened. And who was behind all that? Get him out of the church where he belongs. Blessed, blessed. Uh, we, we have got to quit worrying about whether he's mad and start believing him to do what he said he'd do. Let me make an announcement. If he is mad, we wouldn't be here. He's that big. He's not mad. You know why? If you can receive this, I'm going to tell you, you can look it up in Isaiah 53. He can't get mad at me. You know why? He has poured out his wrath on his son at the cross. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for me. Isaiah 53, he poured his wrath out on Jesus so he could pour his kindness out on me. We have forgotten how amazing grace is. He poured his fury out on his perfect son so he could pour his goodness out on me. One of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 8 9. You know the kindness of our God, our Lord Jesus, that though he were rich, for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. We've got to get back to this grace stuff being amazing again. And just the tremendous, I mean, you just, whatever it is. If he said he'd give you the desires of your heart, he will. I got, I'm, I'm boogered up here. I'm boogered up. All right. <clears throat> Let me address something that seems to be a problem in Christian circles right now. Let me do one more. Turn with me to 3 John, very back of the Bible, right in front of a, a Revelation. You got Revelation, and then uh, front of Revelation is Jude, and then 3 John. It's not the Jude that the Beatles sang about. It's a different one. Uh, a lot of anger and I don't know if y'all I don't know if y'all follow Christian circles or not don't waste your time just buy your Bible and read it a lot of debate now on prosperity preachers matter of fact one was in the news today and all this stuff about you know prosperity gospel prosperity preachers if he didn't want you to prosper why do you write your book and tell you how to do it there was a, let's let's get out of the deep discussion just read the Bible I want you to go one of the greatest verses in the Bible one of the promises of God now remember God wrote the Bible we got to settle this issue second Peter said that no scripture is of any private origin, but holy men of God spoke and wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And we watch this word as a light that shines in a dark place. We, we gotta, the Bible has come under assault today in Christian circles. We've stopped believing the Bible. That's a fool's error. This is all you got right here. This is the whole truth right here. And this book is written by God to you and me and everything in it we can put our weight on. Here's another great promise in, in uh, John 3rd, 3rd John, verse 2. Beloved, 
I pray that you may prosper in all things. Why are preachers preaching against prosperity today? Now, if they're preaching against preachers riding in Gulf Streams and Ferraris, I, I understand that. I, I just, they're probably just jealous. But the bottom line is, I pray that you may prosper in what? What does it say? All things. Is that your marriage? Is that your finances? Is that your health? Well, you can read that. Is that your friendships? How about, is that your recreation? He wants you to do well in everything. How many, of you, how many of you just had kids and wish they'd fail at everything? Come on, guys. I wanted my kids to do good in sports. I want them to do great in their schoolwork. I want them to have great friends. I want them to be confident. Do you think he's any less of a father? Was, I want you to prosper in all things and what else? Be in health. Where did, when did Jesus become the disease giver? What is going on in the culture today that we don't believe the Bible anymore? Be in health as what? Your soul prospers. You can see it's reverse order. What comes first? My soul prospers first. Righteousness, peace, and joy inside. And my body has health. And then everything I touch turns to gold. You say, ah, oh, it's that prosperity gospel. I didn't write this book, doc. Now, I don't need a Gulfstream or a Lamborghini. I drive a 27-year-old truck and I'm perfectly content. My joy in life is not stuff. And I've been blessed. I got a beautiful home. My joy in life is the presence of God. My joy in life is the joy of Jesus. It's great friends. This is the stuff that money can't buy, which is what he gives. But can you see clearly in the Bible, the kingdom of God is when God begins to cause you to prosper in all things. It's health. All right, two of us are going to be healthy. But it's internal prosperity. Let me tell you one of the greatest gifts he'll ever give. You lay your head on a pillow at night and you sleep like a baby. That is the gift of God. That is the goodness of the Lord. That's the kingdom of God coming in our lives. And uh, well, let me just quickly go through this. Let me tell you what else people are looking for everywhere in Timothy. They can't find. Our, nation, our nation is fragmented right now in relationships. The kingdom of God is always relational. The first thing Jesus did when he came down to this earth was what? He drew 12 men close to him. And he said, y'all are going to walk with me and you're going to learn to love each other. It was God is always putting people in relationships. It, it's, it, that's what the church was supposed to be. The church wasn't supposed to be a place where people come and hear music, and listen to a guy talk. The church is supposed to be relational. It's where people come and build strong relationships. It's, it's the family. Psalm 68, 6, the Lord puts the lonely in a family. Do you know how many people are looking for somebody to love them and care for them and be in family? You need to pray this prayer. Put somebody in my life. Bring me strong friends that love you like I do. Bring me somebody that can help. That's why do you think he talks about iron sharpening iron? A man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And there's, you, you need people in your life. But you, you need the people that God puts in your life. Listen, the kingdom of come is when he brings people to you and puts people in your life. Listen, if, you're, if you want somebody as, as a maid, a, a husband, or wife, something like that, tell him. Tell him and believe him to do it. Or friendships, whatever the circle is, but he brings people into that. And then let me do one more. We, we'll come back because of time's sake. We got to quit wasting our lives in this nation. We weren't created to sit around and eat cheeseburgers and burp. But we weren't, the goal of life is not to work hard and retire and do nothing. Where'd this come from? You, you are never content in here until you're productive. We were created to be a productive people. And that's why the Bible teaches when the kingdom comes, you live a purposeful, productive life. Let me quote to you a couple of verses here since we don't have time to look at them. Ephesians 2.10 says this, you are the creation of God's hand created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Listen, you find what he wants to do in your life and it's always going to be around people. It's always going to be centered around this American lie that 
if I could just give me up a big pile of money and retire and sit on my butt and do nothing, I'd be happy. You could be miserable. Your, your fanny's made for walking with, not sitting on. Can I get a witness? Amen. That's, that's a, in Hezekiah. Look it up. <laughs> we, we have, we have, we've blown it in this nation with everybody wanting to sit around. No, you were, you're never happier than when you're changing people's lives. Never happier than when you're affecting people's lives. We're created to help people. And that's the great joy of our lives. All right, I'm, I'm going to, uh, well, I'm, I'm halfway through and we're out of time. All right, we'll do this again next week. But let me, let me say this. Say, well, amen, Brother Brian, pray for me. Nope, 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 that's not how it works. Next week, we're going to talk about, well, what's my, how do I cooperate with him? How do I see the kingdom come? Do I just pray? Do you listen to me? We got to start believing God to do what he says in this book. We've forgotten that we're a people of faith. And we need to start believing him. And then we need to get our lips to line up with it. We need to start saying what he says, saying what he says. We've got to raise our faith up in this thing and we need to pray. But we we need to, Jesus didn't say, uh, show up. He said, follow me. And as we begin to walk with him and pray and, and expect and believe, there's nothing wrong with believing. I hear Christians say to me sometimes, well, I don't want to get nobody's hopes up. You're not even saved. Our goal is to get people's hopes up. Our goal is to stir up your faith. Our goal is to hear the truth of God from his word and stir up our faith. I, and when we hear testimonies of people and things that he's doing, when I hear the Lord doing things for people, you know what I think? Praise God, I'm happy for you. Do it for me. And, and we need to do that and stir up our faith for what he's doing inside of us. Uh, I'm just booger. I, I, I got to quit here. All right. But now let me say this in closing. Dear ones, you got to follow Jesus. I'm seeing, I've never seen a falling away from the faith like I'm seeing today. I'm seeing people go crazy today. Uh, other ministers I hear around, and this is what was prophesied. And what's happening is that the enemy is picking people out of the kingdom and robbing them. All right, let me give you one passage and then we're going to quit with this. Mark chapter four, the Bible said the kingdom of God is like a man who sows the seed, the promise of God. God's going to do great things for you. He's going to come into your life. He's going to, and we're going to bless your children. And, and you, you, he's just going to do things you're going to know. He's all over this family. God's doing great things. The kingdom of God is like a man who sows seed. But listen to it. And then there's four people. And four things can happen. And number one, uh, the seed's on a hard place. And Satan comes and steals the word. And it bears no fruit. Dear ones, if you let Satan come with an intelligent argument or some religious nonsense, and you let him take this word away from you, you've lost the blessing. If what you've heard tonight, you know, you check with some, your uncle who's a preacher, you said, no, that stuff don't happen no more. He just stole the word from you. Do not let him take this word away from you. All right, number two is a man who sowed the seed, but it was in shallow ground. It had no root. And when tough times came because of the word, they quit. Let me make an announcement. Tough times gonna come whether you follow Jesus or not. We have lost the tenacity of the faith that we're required to have. America, I'm sorry, guys. Americans have become a bunch of candy canes. We've become so soft that we have forgotten verses like fight. Not with the Methodists. Fight the good fight of faith. Hang on to your faith. Don't let somebody take it away from you. Don't let lies take it. You've got to fight over faith. You need to be fighting for your children. You need to be fighting for your children in prayer. When you pray and they get even worse, you, you don't need to say, well, look, no, don't listen. Fight for your children. Fight in prayer for your children. I don't care what you feel. You stay in prayer for your kids and you believe God. We've, we've got to get the warring spirit back in us. The third one is the people had some, and this is America. 
The seed was sown, but they had so much junk in their lives that God had no place. We have got to give him first place in our lives. We've got to let the word have place in our lives. And you got to, I've been doing this 40 some years. Every moment I'm driving, I'm looking at scripture. If you were behind me, you'd, you'd know that he's looking at something beside the road. But I just keep the little scripture cards. I, I have to feed on the word to have faith. And, and we got we to gotta become full-time engaged in this thing. And of course, the fourth one, he received this word. He believed it. He hung to it. He endured the tough times. He stayed in there. He fought with it. And all of a sudden, began to see more and more of God's goodness in their lives. Don't fall on you like a ripe cherry. We've got to be a people who, that's why it said seek. Seek you first, the kingdom of God. And we have to be a people that do that. All right, let me, let me uh, ask you a question. Is the kingdom available today? A lot of people don't believe it is. We just, you know, we just do the best we can. Notice the kingdom's available today. The presence of God will work in people's lives today. Why are so few Christians experiencing it? We, we got to find out why. I don't know why, but I know this. I want, to get, I want everybody to experience the goodness of God. I am going to. And I want you to. I want you to know his goodness in your lives. Now, Jesus died so we could have eternal life and kingdom life, abundant life. And I, I just, uh, I want to look in people's lives and I want to say God is working there. This great thing. I want to see the presence of God in people's lives and in their children. I am weary of watching Christians get beat to death by a puny enemy who was broken at the cross. Why is somebody that was crushed at the cross wearing our heads out? Why is he plundering our families? I thought Jesus beat him at the cross. Was, we've got to get back in the ball game and believe thy kingdom come and thy will be done in me and in my house and in this house. All righty. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I just love you and praise you and thank you for your goodness in our lives. I praise you and thank you that the kingdom is at hand. It's, it's available. I, I just speak faith tonight into people's hearts by the word that the kingdom is at hand. It's available. And that just the, to know God has smiled on me. He's blessing this family. His presence is on my life. He's real. I hear his voice. He's ordering my steps. He's causing things to happen for me. There's a joy that comes from heaven in my life. There's an encouragement. There's a hope. His spirit rests on me. Dear Jesus, get involved in every facet of people's lives. I, I just, your word is true. And your word tells us to seek first the kingdom and long for it. And I thank you for that. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your goodness. I think the greatest tragedy in the world, Lord Jesus, is that you died and suffered to give people everything their hearts long for, but it's being left on the table sometimes. I want everything you died for. I want people to know the hope and the joy. I want people to just know, just live their lives going, that's him right there. He just did that right there. That's his hand right there. That's God. I want him to know you like that. I want to thank you and praise you that we don't have to wait to get to heaven to experience you. We experience you now. I pray for every person in this room that they will turn their hearts toward the kingdom and say, what he died to give, I'm going to have. And my kids are going to have it. And I'm going to bring it to my friends too. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified in our lives and everything. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.